Our reading is Romans 15, verses 1 to 13, and it can be found on page 1141 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. It's Romans 15, verses 1 to 13. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs may be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks very much indeed, Lorraine. Um, Do keep your Bibles open. Um, we'll, uh, we'll pray together, shall we? And then we'll look at that passage. Um, Heavenly Father, we pray for your help this morning. We pray on that we would be shaped into the community you want us to be. And I pray that that would happen as we see you more clearly, understand what you've done for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, this, uh, this series um, we've called Call to Community, looking at these chapters uh, in the book of Romans. Um, today builds very much on last week. If you weren't around last week, um, I'd encourage you to, to, if you can, take a a moment to listen online. Um, uh, This is the sort of second half of uh, the conversation Paul is having with the uh, church in Rome about how they're to relate to one another. Um, and, uh, and how they are to, um, to be with one another. Um, in, in, the, um, in the Matoli household, there is from time to time a fun conversation we have, which is, if you could have a superpower, um, what would it be, and um, what would you do with it? Uh, if you could have a superpower of any kind, of any description, whether you could fly or, or, or be very fast or whatever you might do, what would we, why don't we have, let's have 15 seconds, turn to somebody nearby. If you could have, if you had a superpower, if you could have any one, what would it be and, and what would you do with it?
Okay, so... Uh, I, I enjoy that that has produced animated conversation about what you might do. Uh, can I tell you, as the conversation flows in our house, lots of people want to do different things. They'd like to be able to fly. They'd like to be able to teleport. They'd like to be able to control things with their mind. My normal answer to this question in our house is I would like the superpower of enabling children to sleep when I want them to. Um, now... That is, unfortunately, a bad example of what we're going to talk about this morning, which is that that superpower is almost entirely self-serving on my part. Um, it would be great if I was able to pull that off, but I can't. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there you go, it's beyond me. So, um, but the, 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 what, what we've been talking about so far... I talked last week I used the phrase true gospel welcome. I talked about how the church was to relate to one another. Paul was describing this, how they were to receive one another... Um, the relationships they would have between them. We talked about the strong and the weak. Um, and I suggested that uh, on both sides, there was neither to, we were to receive one another, to welcome one another, not to dismiss others, not to judge others, not to be kind of um, uh, doing that kind of thing. And I described that, in a sense, what Paul is saying is, as a Christian community, and if you, if you kind of, uh, if you think it through, it changes your understanding of who you are, it changes your understanding of your background and of your culture and of, of, of others and their background and culture. You see them differently. You relate to them differently. And in a sense, this passage here builds on that and he adds a new word. If you look uh, down with me at um, uh, uh, the start of the, chapter 15, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That word please... He then says, each of us should please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. He introduces this word, it kind of builds on last time, the, the idea that we're to please others, to not please ourselves. In a sense, you could say what he's talking about and how he's developing this is to say the mark of the Christian community, the Christian community that really, really kind of grasps the gospel, really gets what the Lord has done for them, what the Lord has done for us, the Christian community that does that, what you'll see is that those who have positions of power, those who have power in different ways, use that power, steward that power for the good of others and not themselves. That is our focus this morning, um, and, and again, we're going to sort of dwell on that, those first um, three verses or so, um, initially at, at, at longer length, and then we'll see kind of what falls out thereafter. The mark of the Christian community is to, you, what you'll start to see in people who, who kind of grasp what the Lord has done for them, is that they steward the power that they have, the position they have, for the benefit of others and not themselves. What I'm going to suggest to you is, in this passage, what Paul does in those first three verses is he says, um, this is what that looks like. And then, um, and we'll, as I say, we'll, we'll look at that in more detail. Then he'll go on to say, look, you need a, here's a vision of where it can take us and what happens if we all do that. And then lastly, we'll think about how you, how you kind of get that. How do you get that uh, desire, how do you get that ability to use the power that you have to serve others? So, let's start with the first one. Um, use what power you have to serve others. What does it look like? Um, I've just read those verses there, and this word please, 
um, which comes up three times. So what it means, first of all, is not doing what makes us comfortable. So he says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Not just to do what makes us um, comfortable. It's to do, so there's the, the phrase bear with, um, uh, which is uh, to do something hard and costly for the sake of someone else. So not just to say, I guess in your mind, you, you have these moments where you think, like, they are really annoying, that person. But I guess, you know, I better put it up with them. Uh, they really do irritate me, but I guess, you know, grudgingly, I better, uh, I better look out for them. It's to, to actively not seek what makes us comfortable. Um, if you think about it for a moment, that phrase, not to please ourselves, pleasing ourselves is really at the heart of every kind of human fracture you can come up with. Uh, there are times, shall we say, in our household where I, Daddy, starts to deliver a sermon to the assembled about how not pleasing ourselves is not going to help us. But it is at the, it's at the heart of family life. When we simply want to please ourselves, family disharmony follows. In wider families, networks of siblings, uh, in, in workplaces, uh, between nations, if we simply want to please ourselves. It's really at the heart of, it's in, in lots of ways, it's the heart of every kind of fracture you can think of, from the smallest to the largest. And Paul is saying here, actually, that's not to be the driving motivation. In fact, actively, we've got to work against that, that instinctive desire to please ourselves. It is instead building up our neighbours. Now, this is really interesting. This is the interesting moment in this passage, I think. Do you notice how he suddenly broadens the perspective? Because last week we talked pretty much about church life. I talked a lot about how we relate to one another in church and how we deal with one another. And you see how he does that in verse 2. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. Now, it takes some getting your head around, and I've been trying to get my head around it this uh, past week. What does that mean to please our neighbours for our good? Why does he suddenly say that? Why isn't he just focusing on the church? But he clearly is, and obviously it brings to mind the great uh, uh, commandments to love your neighbour as yourself, as Jesus talked about. Why does he do that? Well, he is broadening the perspective that we aren't just concerned with our fellow Christians, and the motivation that we have to act in this way isn't just for them. It is for the world. It is global. It is far greater uh, than just that. And in what he's saying, we're looking to build up our neighbours. I guess he's, you might sort of phrase it, Paul is saying, look, I want you to have this kind of perspective, that you look at the world that you're a part of, the neighbours that you have, whether that's uh, physical neighbours uh, where you live or whether that's your neighbour, in inverted commas, in all sorts of other places where you work, and, and you're somebody who says, look, my main aim here is to see you flourish, my main aim here is that I, I want to see you built up. I want you to progress uh, in society. I want to use what I have for you. Now, can you see the implication of what he's been saying? Because he's been talking about disagreements and differences. 
So you may not agree with the person. And in, in, once you start to talk about our neighbours, once you start to talk about our world, of course we're not going to agree. We're going to have different perspectives. We're going to have different um, viewpoints. You may even come from a different faith perspective. But he's saying, look, I, I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to draw alongside you. I'm going, to, I'm going to work for your good, even though we may disagree on things, even though we may have a different perspective. Now, you might at this point then say, well, um, okay, hold on, Paul. We've, I, I see where you're going with this, um, but you've used this, this power word, and I, I don't have any power. So this has been fine, but I'm looking at all the people around me. I think, I'm glad they're here for this, because they've got power. I think you and I have more power than we realize. So just think through what he's saying here. To please our neighbors for their good, to, to steward what we have. There may be a whole series of, of areas in which you have power that you haven't necessarily thought about. So here are some categories, if you like. Work, uh, money, work, uh, relationships, neighborhoods, uh, school, church, laws. Let me explain what I mean by some of these. I introduce... These are ways in which you may hold more power than you realize. So it may be money is a very, fairly straightforward. You may be somebody who knows, yeah, I, I, the Lord in his kindness has gifted me, us, with money. But my question as a Christian is how can I use that not to make myself comfortable, but how can I use that to serve others? Who could I enrich? Who could I lift up? Who could I, who could I aid? It may not be applicable to all of you, but this may be. At work, you may have, if that was a financial power, you may have a vocational power, so to speak. You may, in your work, you may be in a position where you know that you can develop others. The Christian mindset that Paul is driving at here, even if they are people who differ, the the mindset that says, how can I help you develop? How can I be on the lookout for how you will flourish? How can I adopt that kind of posture? Relationships. I guess we t- this is what we talked about a great deal last week, about how we relate to one another, and you do see it in church. But not so that I walk into a room at church and think, okay, so um, who are the people that I kind of enjoy spending time with? Who are the, who are the people who are going to help me out? Do I walk into a, a church and think, who are the people who are going to need me this morning? Do I come a few minutes early so that I can find some of those people? Who might I need to look out for? Am I attentive to those who I know might be more draining than others and may need help? You may have a power in your neighborhoods. Uh, I guess it's, it's in the Christian mindset that says, look, what, I, I may have moved to a particular place, but I go there not because I want to make myself comfortable, but because I'm asking God, how do you want to use me where we are? What are the streets that I'm in? What is the area like? How can I invest in that? Or rather than not just walking in and saying, we'll we'll, we'll go here because that makes me comfortable. I'm pleasing myself. Do you see? School. um, uh, Gosh, you know, many memories I have. You'll... you'll, uh, You'll know what school life is like. Many of, you, many of you are in school or colleges at the moment. When you walk in, do I only look for those who are popular, for those who will kind of enhance my reputation, if you like, at school? Do I look for those who are perhaps in need, who are on their own? Do you steward the power that you have? 
church, as a church, do we have outsiders in mind? Do we, as a church leadership, do we organize things just to make ourselves comfortable? Or do we organize things with the outsider in mind, somebody who may never have come along to church, who may be sitting here this morning feeling very nervous about what it is to be in church? Laws in our country, do we steward those? Now, one or two of you may be in this kind of position, I don't know, to help those who will be most marginalized. Here's my, let me uh, throw up this balloon for you to ponder this afternoon. I've been pondering this week, in a post-Christian society, do we primarily work for those laws which will make us comfortable as Christians, or do we as Christians work for those which will benefit those who are marginalized and may disagree with us thoroughly? What is the Christian posture that Paul is talking about here? So, test balloon for you to cheer over this afternoon. Do you see what I'm saying? You may have more power than you realize. You may have, you can steward that in different ways. And it can be for yourselves, for myself. It can be for the good of your neighbor, those around you. And the example that is given here in uh, verse 3 is that even Christ did not please himself, but as, is, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. What's it? It's talking about Jesus. It's using a psalm and kind of uh, uh, applying it to Jesus. And in a nutshell, he's saying that Jesus was prepared to give himself away, and he was prepared to lose that others might flourish and survive. He was prepared to go to a cross and lose and die, that others might flourish and survive and be saved and grow. Do you see the dynamic that he's got there? He was prepared to take the insults of others, the the insults that, that were directed to God. He was prepared to take them on himself, and he did it for the good of his neighbor. And I guess that's, if that happens, so this, this first kind of point that I wanted to talk about is that this is what this looks like. To, to steward the power you have looks like this. Christ is the example of, of that, the kind of supreme example. And if that happens, the example that, that Christ offers is that we, we may lose out personally. And as Christians, we may lose out collectively. I'm not suggesting to you that there's a guarantee that when you do this, wonderful things happen to you. Quite the opposite if Jesus is the example. When you have this mindset, stewarding what you have for the, gift, for the good of your neighbor and others who may well disagree with you, the result may be that we lose. So if that's the case, what on earth, what on earth would you do it? Okay, and that's our, our second point. More briefly, uh, the second and third points. Um, if, you, if that was the case, why, why, why on earth would you do this? Um, having said, this is what it looks like to use the power that you have to serve others. Paul then says, well, look, you need a vision of, of where it could take us. If we did this, what would happen? If, if Christian society did this, if we did this here, if you came back in 20 years' time, what would you see? What would happen? Or more than 20 years. Um, what he does is he gives a picture. Now, I'm, we've jumped a couple of verses because there is a prayer that Paul has in verses kind of four and five, which we'll come back to at the end. But um, the way it works is he, he introduces this topic. Then in verses seven to 12, he gives them this vision. 
and, and then we'll come back to the prayer that, that happens uh, then at, and at the end. So just looking at those verses, verse 7, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. And then there are a series of quotations you can see uh, beginning, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. And what is he doing? He's giving them a vision of where this would take us. If, if we do this, if Christians uh, live in this way, it draws people from around the world together to praise our Heavenly Father. His vision is of people all together praising God, Jews and Gentiles. I don't know if you remember the um, uh, opening ceremony of the 2012 Olympics. Gosh, it does feel like a long time ago now. I have to say, not just in terms of years, but in terms of where our country is, interestingly. I don't know if you remember, there was an anxiety around at the time of how this would go. It was a, 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 a Danny Boyle directed the, um, uh, the, the opening ceremony. Um, I don't know if you remember kind of what it, what it involved and all the sort of choreography. Um, and there was the most extraordinary sense as it unfolded and in the sort of immediate aftermath of this having been an extraordinary coming together of culture in our country. Uh, a kind of celebration, uh, a spectacle, uh, a drawing on different aspects of who we are and our history and our identity, and coming together somehow and wonderfully united in it. And it only takes a moment's thought to think what has happened in the years since, to just to see the change, but also to think, gosh, what a, what a, what a thing it was. And Paul has that kind of vision, if you like. He's saying it's, it's a hard thing to grasp that all through history... What God's unfolding plan has been was that his people, the Jews, would be a witness, would speak of, of the Lord to the nations. They would demonstrate what God was like to the world. The world would gradually be drawn in and through Christ has been drawn in. And there are Jews and Gentiles, that's non-Jews, together praising God. So the quotations here, they're not just selected at random. Um, they're actually taken from um, the three kind of big sections of the, of the scriptures as they were. You might know there were the law, the prophets, and the writings. Uh, and there are, there are quotations here from each of those, uh, from the law, Deuteronomy, from uh, the prophets, Isaiah, and from the writings, two of them are the Psalms. And they are, you can kind of follow the footnotes later on. But it is a vision of the praise of God by all people. And do you see the link that he's making is saying, when, when you and I live out this kind of Christian life that doesn't seek to please ourselves, but goes outward for the good of others, it draws people together in the praise of our Heavenly Father. What it looks like to steward power for those uh, who have less uh, a vision of God's unfolding plan. And then lastly, and uh, briefly, um, what do you need to do it? So this sounds lovely, Paul. How do you get it? And there are two prayers in this um, uh, passage. Uh, one comes uh, in verse 5, uh, picks up from verse 4, where uh, he talks about the Scriptures um, and that everything was provided and written that we might be encouraged. And at the end there of verse 4... He says that we might have hope. 
Uh, and then he prays, two prayers. Firstly, verse 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 13 at the bottom, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This, I don't know if you see in verse 5, it comes, it comes as a gift. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind. Do you know it comes as a gift? You don't, this isn't, if, you, what, if what you've heard is, I've now got a long to-do list of things that Paul has said, I need to kind of work up the courage to do, or the effort to do. It's not what I'm saying. He's saying, look, this comes as a gift. It comes to you from our Heavenly Father. It comes as a gift in Jesus Christ, and he prays that the God of hope will fill you so that it will overflow in hope. So what he's saying is, when you and I personally, when we grasp what Jesus has done for us, When we grasp that Jesus has done these things, he has stewarded his power for the benefit of you and me. The Lord Jesus, the greatest figure in the universe, has stewarded his extraordinary power that Paul Matoli might know him. It's an extraordinary thought. And when we grasp that for ourselves, when we sense the, the, the hope that we have, a grounded hope in what God is doing, that has been unfolding through thousands of years, when we grasp that for ourselves, he says it will cause us to overflow with hope. You, ever, you, know, you get a, a glass of whatever you might enjoy drinking on a Saturday evening, and if you pour, the, pour it in until it just spills over the side... That is the picture he has of you and I, when we are so full of what the Lord has done for us, that it overflows, and our neighborhoods, and our workplaces, and the relationships we have in church cannot help but benefit from what we have received. Stewards, the power that you have. Use the power that you have to serve others. If you came in thinking, I have no power, wrestle with it a bit. Think it through. What is it that you have God has given you? What power do I have? How could I use it for others? Let's pray together. Father, we just take a moment to ask ourselves that question. What have you given us? And Lord, how might we use that for others? This day, this week, uh, the rest of this year and beyond. And Lord, would you fill us with that hope? Uh, The hope of what you've done, where you're taking us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.